See how our king comes. This entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, the city of the great king, was a formal assertion of his messianic claims. It was the last appeal to the Jews to discern and recognize his royal character. He came as a king and permitted his disciples and the multitude to pay him kingly honors. He received, as rightly belonging to him, the acclamations, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. He was the son of David, the king of Israel, coming in the name of the Lord. Now, of all those royal acclamations, pick out one. Because we're going to stand and we're going to shout. Whatever your favorite, just pick one. And we'll, let's stand together and shout it out. I'm going to count to three. Stand, please. Are you ready? One, two, three. Hosanna! Now that was fun. Let's do it again. One, two, three. Hosanna! One more time. One, two, three. Hosanna! All right. Isn't that fun? Everybody's got this huge smile. That's great. Have a seat, please. Over the the past uh, few years, I think that I have begun to focus more upon the royalty of Jesus uh, rather than, uh, I'm going to say this, don't get alarmed, than the deity of Jesus. He is the divine king. But, but for some reason, for the, like the first half of my life with Jesus, everybody kept emphasizing his deity and they connected that deity to the salvation that he brings through the forgiveness of our sins. Don't doubt any of that. I just think it might be out of sequence. I think that the emphasis that Jesus brings to us is that he's our king. And the way that he saves us is he brings his rule to the earth. And bringing his rule to the earth... He sets everything right. So part of that setting right is, is my sins before my God. He, I'm cleansed of my sins by what he's accomplished for me on the cross. But it's not just my sins get forgiven and then I'm going to go spend eternity with God. It's not, that's not the story. The story is this king has come. And in coming, he's offering to the world what God has always wanted. He wants to be our God in the midst of us, directing us towards what is best in life. And he's tried through the centuries to reestablish his rule, which we rebelled against, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. And by by sending Jesus, Jesus is the climax of God saying, I so want to rule and reign on the earth among my people so that they can live the best lives that I could ever have. I want them to have the best in life. And we have the best because he rules and reigns. He's the king. So that, to me, is the real emphasis. So as I, as I thought about this, this, this Palm Sunday, that's really the whole point. 
are the people that are, are shouting praise and laying down their robes and waving the palm branches. They are acknowledging that Jesus is the king. He's the king that the Old Testament prophets foretold. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the king. And as I, as I read through the story, I, I really I, I focused upon Jesus' prayer for Jerusalem. But then I realized as I read it, you know, it was only a month ago that we were there. And so then I broadened out. So bear with me, a little travelogue with the story. Okay, so John 11 is where I'd like us to start. The Jewish Passover was coming up. Crowds of people were making their way from the country up to Jerusalem to get themselves ready for the feast. They were curious about Jesus. There was a lot of talk of him among those standing around the temple. What do you think? Do you think he'll show up at the feast or not? Meanwhile, the high priests and the Pharisees gave out the word that anyone getting wind of him should inform them they were all set to arrest him. So you get this scene of some people are really curious about Jesus and others are really ticked. Some want to arrest him, some want to visit with him. And it's all during the season of Passover. Do you remember what Passover is? Passover is the remembrance of God saving, rescuing the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt. Specifically, it was the final judgment that God sent against Pharaoh to let my people go. I'm serious. I want my people to go. And Pharaoh kept digging in his heels until finally God said, okay, this is it. This is the 10th and final act that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to force it here. And so he sent the angel of death. Ah, oh, that sounds horrible. And God said to, the, to, to those that belong to him in Israel, if you, will, if you will kill the lamb, if you'll put blood on the doorpost of your house, wherever that blood is, death will pass you by. But there's no blood there. Death will kill your firstborn. Ah. Oh. Now, you know there's a whole story. I'm gonna, this is a really snippet here. It may not make sense if you don't read the whole story. But Passover is the celebration that death has passed us by. Death has passed us by. Just hold on to that. Because these crowds of people, if they're coming from Galilee, which was where Jesus was coming from, they, they leave Galilee and they come down the Jordan River Valley and they get to Jericho. And from Jericho... If, if you were a crow, you could fly straight for 15 miles and you would get to Jerusalem. But since most of the crowds coming to see Jesus weren't crows, they had to wind their way through the Judean wilderness. They had to go from 800 feet below sea level at Jericho up to Jerusalem at 2,500 feet above sea level. That's a 3,300-foot 
elevation change in 15 miles. I thought about those times that I've wanted to aspire to climb to the 14-foot mountains in Colorado. It's great when you, because you can drive to 11,000 feet at most passes, then you've got 3,000 more. Now, it doesn't mean that that 3,000 feet isn't difficult, but that'll give you kind of a gauge. It's kind of difficult. And if you would notice, you can't see it as well as you, you would want to, but here, this is the road through the wilderness. This is through one of the wadis. You remember the Good Samaritan? I mean, this is the Badlands. This is where, you, you know, if, if, if people wanted to rob you, it was really kind of easy to hide behind rocks and get you, and there's nobody out there to help you. So crowds are wandering up this road, and they're, ha- they're curious about Jesus at this time of Passover, the time where death is being remembered as passing over. And they end up, oh, I forgot, here's Susan. Susan's on her way down in a van, so it's not quite as difficult. So you've got to hold on. But can you, I mean, just look. We're, we're at sea level, and we've come from back behind there. So you kind of get, you get the feeling of the drastic drop from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea. Susan was happier doing this by van. She would not have been happy if uh, we would have been walking. The, the curiosity about Jesus really is focused upon Lazarus because Jesus allowed death to pass over Lazarus. Jesus is the Passover. Jesus is the resurrection. And as people are making their way to Jerusalem and they're moving from Jericho to the last stop on their way to Jerusalem, Bethany, is the hometown of Lazarus. And part of their curiosity is, what about this guy Lazarus? We hear that death passed over him, that Jesus raised him from the dead. Bethany, this is an early photo of Bethany. I guess it's not, probably not a photo, probably a painting, but 1910. They were, they were really little villages. It's not like they're a big metropolitan area like it is now around Jerusalem. And in John 12, six days before Passover, Jesus did enter Bethany. He walked up that wilderness road from Jericho to Bethany. He entered Bethany where Lazarus, so recently raised from the dead, was living. Death had passed him by. And he remained alive in Bethany. Lazarus and his sisters invited Jesus to dinner at their home. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those sitting at the table with them, alive. Death had passed him by. And word got out among the Jews that Jesus was back in town. And the people came to take a look, not only at Jesus, but also at Lazarus who'd been raised from the dead. And the high priests, well, they plotted to kill Lazarus because so many of the Jews were coming over and believing in Jesus on account of him. 
In the season of Passover, one of the three pilgrimages that the devout Jew would make from wherever they were in the land to Jerusalem, this Passover is about death passing over. And this particular Passover included an element not of remembering the, the past, but an element of the present. Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus in Bethany, the last stop on the way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. In Bethany, I mean, Jesus said these words, Ego sum resurrectio et vita. I am the resurrection and the life. You can see several people that you know standing. This is Steve. There I am. We're in Lazarus's tomb, and I can tell you he was not there. I am the resurrection and the life. Within the context of where Jesus is, he is the Passover. In me, death will pass you over. He said it, and he demonstrated it. Lazarus was alive, eating a meal with his sisters and Jesus. The next day, John 12... The huge crowd that had arrived for the feast, the Passover, heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. And they broke off palm branches, and they went out to meet him, and they cheered. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in God's name. Yes, the King of Israel. And Jesus got on a young donkey. And he wrote it, just as the scripture said from Zechariah. No fear, daughter of Zion, see how your king comes. See how your king comes, riding a donkey's colt. How does the king come? Well, he came the same way as the crowds wandering up this desert road from Jericho to Bethany. He comes as a friend of someone that died and he brought him back to life. And he comes riding on a donkey because I'm a humble king. I'm an approachable king. I'm wandering with my people through the wilderness to Jerusalem. And as he comes over the hill and he looks out over Jerusalem, The festivity of the time, the curiosity of the time. I mean, this story is so full of emotions. You've got the anger, the hate of the religious leaders. You've got the the curiosity and probably the fear of those that have heard about a resurrection. And then you've got the joy of people that are recognizing Jesus for who he is. You've got the palm branches and you've got the robes and... You've got this festivity happening until Jesus comes up over and looks out over Jerusalem. And he begins to weep. Jesus reigned on his own parade. 
Show the next slide, please. This, again, you can't see it well, but this is what the Temple Mound looked like when we were there a month ago. It was a dreary, rainy day. And as we stood there and looked out over what it would have been the old city and all of the, the clouds and the rain, this, I, this is what I thought about. This is the scene that Jesus had. And he began to weep. When the city came into view, he wept over it. If you had only recognized this day and everything that was good for you, but now it's too late. In the days ahead, your enemies are going to bring up their heavy artillery and surround you. Pressing in from every side, they'll smash you and your babies on the pavement. Not one stone will be left intact. All this because you didn't recognize and welcome God's personal, and I would add, and royal visit. You see, Jesus realized, not just for Jerusalem, but for all of humanity, if you do not welcome and recognize the rule of God for what it is, then you will be destined to continue doing what humans have done to each other from Adam and Eve. You will continue to fight against one another. You'll continue to tear each other's cities down. You'll continue to murder one another. It's only when the rule of God comes and restores humanity to what humanity is and humans again begin to live at peace with one another, stop going to war against each other, stop killing each other, because that's not what is best in life. Jesus is weeping, not just for Jerusalem. He is prophesying. It's true. In 70 AD, the beautiful temple that, that Herod spent 50 years building was torn completely down by the Romans. People died. He, he is prophesying an event that happened in Israel. But this is not just about Israel. This is about every nation. It's really about every person. It's about each one of us. If we resist the rule and the reign of God, and we remain, we're, our, we're our own king and we're our own queen, and our nation is its own kingdom, if we resist, we don't recognize who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing and restoring, then we're just destined to heartache. That's why Jesus is weeping. Remember, he's coming as a humble king. He's not, he's not going to force his kingdom on anyone. It's an invitation. He's been inviting people all along. He's been demonstrating what it's like when God's in charge. Sick people get healed. Hungry people get fed. Dead people get raised. The best of life Jesus is offering to humanity 
And it comes with the cost of, he's the king. Welcome him as the king. Recognize him as the king. Allow him to rule and to reign in our lives. That's, that's the cost. Costs us everything, but the benefit is great. So Jesus is weeping from celebration to weeping. And then from weeping, he goes to his father's house. So he comes down the Mount of Olives, and he goes through what was the Huda Gates. These are three gates that are now closed. They're steps. These would have been the steps that Jesus would have gone up. He would have gone through these gates into the temple. And when he got inside the temple, going into the temple, he began to throw out everyone who had set up shop, selling everything and anything. And he said, it is written, my father's house is a house of prayer for the nations. And you've turned it into a religious bazaar. From celebration to tears to righteous indignation. What a day. So as you and I, as a community of people that belong to the king, if you call yourself a Christian, you're saying, I belong to the king. And if you're saying that you're a Christian and you belong to the king, your king is Jesus. That's what it means. So as a community that belongs to the king, this king, then this event that we're remembering today ought to remind us of several things. One, Jesus remains the resurrection and the life. Just as real as Lazarus was called out of the grave, my friend, when your body is in the grave someday, Jesus will call your body out. You and I who have faith in Jesus and really everybody else, even those that don't, there will be a resurrection of the body Our bones do not stay in tombs. Wow, more on that next week. But doesn't that make you curious about the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life? Doesn't Doesn't that make you want to ask some questions of life, of eternity? Of where our hopes are, this thing is in my way. Step forward. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. No one else has ever made that claim. No one else has ever demonstrated that claim. No other individual has ever said, come out. And a dead person came out from death to life. Wow! Jesus also remains the king. 
He is the king. There is no other authority higher than Jesus. And as the king, his desire is to rule and reign in our lives and direct us towards what is the very best in this life and the life to come. And what he's asking is, do we recognize him as royalty? And do we welcome him as he visits? This was a biggie visit, but he continues to visit humanity. And he continues to say, do you, do you recognize who I am? I am the Lord of all lords. I am the king of all kings. I'm inviting you to worship me. I'm inviting you to invite my rule into your lives so that you can live the very best life available. And finally, Jesus remained zealous for his father's house. Personally, the father's house is no longer in Jerusalem, in my opinion. The temple that Jesus was looking at was destroyed. And the New Testament now teaches us that the temple of God is you and me. That we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, individually as well as corporately. And I have to ask myself, with this faith that I have in Jesus, being the temple of God, is this temple a house of prayer? Is this my father's house and the nations are being prayed for from this house? Or is my faith kind of like the religious bazaar? Programs and products. Or is it prayer for the nations? Why? To come into the rule of God. So this Palm Sunday, I hope is a day for us to walk along with Jesus, to imagine what it was like to walk through that wilderness of Judea, those tremendous elevation changes, to end up a little village called Bethany, to visit with a friend that was raised from the dead, the celebration. the exclamations of the crowds recognizing Jesus as the king, from the joy and the happiness to the weeping over Israel and any other nation that would reject the rule of God, to righteous indignation. I mean, all of that, I just pray that all that emotion is part of not just our morning together, but of this week. And that you and I, would remain confident that Jesus is the resurrection of the life, that Jesus is the king, and that that we are the Father's house. With all of that, I want to invite you to come to the table that Jesus establishes during this week. Because it's not not just that he's making, he's, he's kind of changing the course of events with the temple in Jerusalem, 
he's also changing the covenants. And he's introducing a, a new covenant this week. That's a big part of our week together. And he's institute, instituting a covenant that is better, better for the Jew and for the Gentiles. Again, better for all of humanity. And so I want to invite you to come to the table today to remember that during this week, Jesus was busy. It's his final week to get the message of the kingdom out. It's his final hour to to provide himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And then it's his final victory (laughs) to be raised from the dead. So let's come to the table with all of that kind of floating through our minds. And Mary Ann's going to help us get in the right place. And uh, we'll have the Lord's table with all of these memories today.